This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. You can find the reading program, McLean's Magazine, airing throughout the week on AMI-audio, including Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Don Dickinson is the producer of that program and joins us now with a preview of a couple of the uh, really interesting articles from this week's edition. Hey, good morning, Don. Oh, do we have Don on mute or does Don have Don on mute? Talk to me one more time, Don. Oh, somebody has Dawn on mute. Why don't we do a quick reset here, guys, while we try to uh, reestablish our connection with Dawn? Why don't we go ahead? Oh, Oh, there we go. Now we've got Dawn. Now we've got Dawn. Dawn. Oh, my God. You lost me, Dave. It's and and I was I was going to be lost in the wilderness forever without you, Dawn, (laughs) because I was going to have to talk about the zero waste uh, movement and fine dining by myself. And I would have been very confused because I didn't read the entire article just yet. But that is your first article. It's about the sustainable impact the zero waste movement is having in the food industry. So when somebody talks about sustainable dining, because people throw around the world sustainable like it's like it's uh, like it's pennies. What do they mean by sustainable dining? Well, a growing number of Canadian restaurants are subverting expectations about fine dining through the thrifty and ingenious use of ingredients that other kitchens might toss in the compost or garbage bin. Scraps, now you have to go along with me here a bit, Dave. Scraps, peels, seeds, Uh, cores, leaves, through creative reinvention, these are now uh, being turned from trash into culinary treasures, okay? (laughs) Now, this is a funny story in a sense because we'll go into other points, but I I actually read this to Frank and he said, well, why don't we just uh, skip the whole uh, restaurant thing and just uh, blend up the uh, compost? (laughs) (laughs) It's like Anthony Bourdain once said, uh, it's not old fish, it's a new stew. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Don, what, what's brought this trend forward? Well, you know, as the world uh, and, and restaurants in particular have faced some really harsh times during the pandemic, um, and there's been a, a great deal of pressure due to the climate crisis and skyrocketing inflation, zero-waste restaurants offer um, an intriguing uh, template for how the industry can adapt to all of this. Um, Basically, zero-waste aspires not to limit waste, but to um, uh, use it in terms where, uh, I mean, obviously, they're being very cautious here. I mean, they're not blending up the compost. Let's be perfectly clear about that. Yeah, yeah, that would not be fine dining. Yeah, but basically they're taking a lot of ingredients that they would normally have tossed, you know, the heads and tails of various things and whatnot, and um, they're they're making food out of it. And <clears throat> restaurants are gaining recognition in this. Uh, the uh, very well-respected Michelin Guide began awarding green stars in 2021 to recognize exceptional, uh, sustainable restaurants. 
Yeah, it, it, as, you, as you say, Don, this isn't necessarily a case of blending up the compost and say, I, I would actually argue this is something that has occurred in a lot of home kitchens for a long, long time. I remember some dear family friends, Frank and Iris, used to ask us every year after Thanksgiving for our turkey bones because yeah. Iris would make this incredible turkey soup just by using the carcass for the flavor. So this isn't yeah. necessarily an uncommon practice in home in home kitchens, and now it's making its way into more commercial kitchens. Yeah. Um, basically, they're saying that the zero waste philosophy is good for a restaurant's bottom line because it maximizes each individual ingredient. Um, if you're paying attention, uh, one chef says to the roots, um, if you're paying for the roots and the, uh, uh, and the uh, of the carrots or the carrots, sorry, you should pay also attention to the roots and the tops. So basically, the process requires considerable planning because, of course, they have to take care now that what they're throwing away. Right. And uh, so it's, yeah, it's a movement, as you say, that was very, very common in households. I mean, I always did that. Whenever I was making a, a larger meal, I would always keep the bits and pieces and uh, and brew up a stock. And then you just freeze the stock and you have it for future use, right? Yeah. But now I guess with, with the economy being what it is, uh, restaurants are going, hey, let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's save some money here, and, you know? And anybody who works in the business will tell you the margins in restaurants are razor, razor thin. So anything you can do to save a, save a dollar here or there, it, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. Don, I like that we're doing a very cultural-based uh, preview today because the other one you've got here is talking about a new Leonard Cohen exhibit at the Ontario or the Art Gallery of Ontario. Got to get the branding right or else the art gallery people get very persnippity about yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> when we're talking about Leonard Cohen, Don, this is one of the great Canadian legends in songwriting and depending on who you talk to, singing. But what does this exhibit encompass? Uh, well, this month, the Art Gallery of Ontario, or the AGO as we all know it, will launch Leonard Cohen, Everyone, Everybody Knows, a sprawling exhibition displaying more than 200 artifacts, books from Cohen's personal library, letters, home movies, musical instruments and drawings, and all kinds of uh, things from his life. Much of the material was retrie retrieved from Los Angeles, where Cohen spent most of his final years and is now in the care of the Leonard Cohen Family Trust. Um, so it's going to be quite the exhibit. Oh, wow. A any, any surprises expected? Well, uh, yes, actually. In life, Cohen bristled, believe it or not, at the labels that he was often saddled with. Uh, the, <laughs> the grocer of despair, uh, the poet laureate of, of pessimism. I love that one. The That's poet great. Laureate That's of great. And he often said, and this is a direct quote, you get tired over the years hearing that you are, in fact, the champion of gloom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the AGO show actually uh, exposes a different side, or I shouldn't say a different, but another side of Cohen. Uh, he wasn't always uh, a, a cynical keeper of secrets, but a seeker of them. Mm. Um, me, or sorry, cynical keeper of answers. Oh my gosh! But a seeker of them. Many of his journeys were spiritual and some literal. One of the exhibits. Um, <clears throat> 
<clears throat> captures Cohen's 1973 pilgrimage to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Another shows him gazing inwardly, meditating in California's um, San Gabriel Mountains. So basically, it talks about him in a much broader sense, Dave, um, and 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 really, you know, very in depth as to his personality and his aspirations. Don, sometimes depending on where people live, they can be a little bit narrow about the perception of the great stars. In Montreal, Leonard Cohen is a legend. People would say that is the poet laureate of Canada. And I will oftentimes have this fight with people when they'll tell you, no, 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 that's Gordon Lightfoot. Or when Gord Downey of the Tragically Hip passed away a couple years ago, no, 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 it's Gord Downey of the Tragically Hip. And I would say that so oftentimes we're influenced on where we're from. Growing up in Quebec, the Tragically Hip didn't really mean anything. Leonard Cohen did. So... I, I asked this question understanding there's some trepidation here because maybe my own bias influences the question. But, Don, do you have a favorite Leonard Cohen song or a favorite Leonard Cohen memory? I've got a couple. Oh, oh my gosh. There, there's just so many. But, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 this is so typical, but I'm going to have to say hallelujah. Oh, uh, beautiful song. I mean, Oh my God! You know, I've heard that song a million times, and every time I hear it, it it moves me. I I, I cry. I I just there's something about that song that gets to me right to my core. I think that's a song that has had an opportunity to live on beyond just Leonard's version as well, which in and, in and of itself is a beautiful, stirring song. But we've had Rufus Wainwright do a cover of that song, uh, just using a piano, which was prominently featured in Shrek, but has since been broadened out. We, of course, have the very, very famous Jeff Buckley version of Hallelujah on the slide guitar right before Jeff Buckley passed away that is just stunning, that's been uh, covered by artists like Ben Harper. So you've had covers of covers in terms of of a hallelujah it is just a stunningly stunningly beautiful song i've got one more for you though don the song chelsea hotel about the alleged mm. affair that cohen had with janice joplin uh while they were in rehab together brilliant brilliant song that has also been covered a couple different times including from people like rufus wainwright yeah, absolutely, Dave, you know, and the thing and the thing about Leonard is that, you know, unless you are listening to every single syllable of those lyrics, sometimes you don't get a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. that he says. Mm-hmm. And then it can be years later. I, I heard an interview the other day about his work and someone said I'd never actually uh, I'd listened to Hallelujah, obviously, but I'd never actually sat and listened to every word of it. And they were just taken aback by the mm-hmm. lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it, it, he's one of those writers that you really have to listen. Maybe there's a God above, and all I've ever learned from love is how to shoot at someone who outdrew you. Brilliant. Oh, Brilliant Dave. Stuff. Uh, You're Don, a poet. <laughs> I, well, I steal from the best. Don, thank you for this. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you very much, Dave. Bye-bye. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.